0: are listening to the sermon audio podcast from heights baptist church in alvin texas for more information about our church you can find us at heightschurch.org when joshua dismissed the people the people of israel went each to his inheritance to take possession of the land And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. Verse 8 says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. They buried him within the boundaries of an inheritance in Harris, in the hill country in Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gash. And all that generation, verse 10 says, also were gathered to their fathers, to anger. And we believe this is God's word. You may be seated. Let me ask you this question. Is your faith worth following? Is your faith worth following? If you think about it this morning, if someone from a younger generation followed you in your faith, and they follow the way you follow Christ, is your faith in Jesus worth following? We're finishing up a series this morning called Raise Them Up, and we, over the last several weeks we've been looking at the biblical responsibility we have as an older generation to pass down the, the Word of God to a younger generation. In the first week we said that this is a job for everybody, whether you have kids, whether your kids are grown and gone, whether you still have kids at home, all our jobs as believers in Jesus Christ is to make disciples of other people. So our job, every one of us who claims to follow Jesus, that's our job. We help other people follow Christ. Then we said in week two that we have to be a people who have an attitude to do whatever it takes. If we're going to pass down the word of God to others, we have to have an attitude to do whatever it takes. And if our attitude is to do whatever it takes, then our actions have to match that. We have to be a people that is going to say we're going to do whatever it takes to raise up a generation to love and to follow the Lord. Then last week, we talked about how as one person has done something for you, do that for another person. So as somebody from an older generation in your life may have invested in you for you to come to know Jesus, and they gave you their gift of time and their gift of service and their gift of love, now you turn and do that for somebody else. So what one has done for you, you do for someone else. This morning, I wanted you to do this. I want you to live your Christian life in such a way that it motivates someone else to live a life for Jesus. All right? So I'm going to say that again, again in case some of you are writing that down. Live your Christian life in such a way that it motivates someone else to follow Jesus. All right? So live your Christian life in such a way it motivates someone else to follow Jesus. When you come into the book of Judges, Uh, we see in the passage we read that Joshua has died. Now, This is bad for the people of Israel. Joshua has been their leader since Moses had passed away. Joshua had led them through the 40 years of wilderness period. Now they have entered into the long-promised land. And so now they're coming into the land of Canaan that God had promised that uh, for some of you that may know your Bible, it took Israel a long time to get there, 40 years of wandering around because of their disobedience to God. And so in chapter 1 in the book of Judges, When God says, all right, as you're entering in the land, push the Canaanite people out. All right, get rid of the Canaanites. The Canaanites are an evil people. They don't worship God as the one true God. Uh, They have a lot of human sacrifices. They're worshiping the God of Baal. All right, these are people that God says, don't intermingle with them. You don't have anything to do with them. Run them out of the land I'm giving you. Well, in chapter 1, as each of the 12 tribes of Israel come into the land, they don't do that. They don't run the Canaanites out like God commanded them. And so what you have at the beginning of chapter 2 is really full-on disobedience by the people of Israel. And so pick up in chapter 2 in verse 2 with me. God says, I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall break down their altars, but you've not obeyed my voice. What is this you've done? So now I say, I'll not drive them out before you, but they shall become thorns in your sides and their God shall be a snare to you. And as soon as the angel of the Lord spoke these words, the people to the people of Israel, the people lifted up their voices and wept. See, by this point, after Joshua's death, the people of Israel, they turned to those Canaanite gods. They turned to worship Baal. And so instead of worshiping God as the one true God, they added in other gods. They started adopting the Canaanite culture. They started following the Canaanite customs. They got okay with being around Canaanites and disobeying what God called them to do. And then I want you to notice what else happens. We pick up in verse 10. And it says, all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them. Now this generation of verse 10 is going to be the third generation out of Egypt. That generation did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And served the Baals. They abandoned the Lord, the God their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went out after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them, and they bowed down to them. They provoked the Lord with anger. I want you to think about that. I, I just I want you to feel the heaviness of the text, right? Because there you have a generation who's now departed. You have a generation that's walked away. You have a generation who says, yes, we know the older generation worship God, but we're not. We're going after Baal. We're going with the Canaanites. I don't want you to just read those verses and say, okay, well, that's historical. And that was over 3,000 years ago. No, I want you to feel the heaviness of that because they're always one generation away from losing the importance of the gospel. We're always one generation away, and I, I mean, you think of our culture right now. Where are we going as a culture? Are we moving closer to God? No, we're moving further. Some in segments of our population, and so you and I will pray for revival. We'll pray for God to turn us back to Him, and we would want to see that. Amen. But what if it's not with our generation he'll do that? What if it's with the next? So what is our generation doing for the next generation? Because I think when I read verses 10 through 12 and I see this generation, this third generation out of Egypt turn and they walk away after hearing all of what God had done through the rescue of the people of Israel, or, you know, the people of Israel out of Egypt, what they had heard God done for all of them in the wilderness period, why did they walk? Why didn't they keep following? Why did they turn and they say, no, we're going with the Canaanites now. We don't want God. Well, maybe they were just a rebellious generation. I mean, maybe this generation of people, they just looked at their, their parents and they said, you know, we don't want it. Maybe they looked at a particular sin of that older generation and said, you know what, you guys as this older generation, you struggle with this. And so now we're going to go to the complete opposite end of the spectrum and here's where we're going to be. Okay, you know what, that's, that's plausible. You know, maybe again, it was the culture. They just got used to the Canaanite culture, and the culture kind of tempted them away, and they fell into that temptation and they were led away. That's plausible. But let me put into what I think is happening. Because when you come up to verse 7, notice this And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. They had seen a great work the Lord had done for Israel. Could it just be that that older generation, they kept the customs. They kept worshiping. They kept the festivals. They kept the sacrifices. They kept doing what they were supposed to be doing. But what if that older generation was apathetic in all of it? See, apathy means to show a lack of desire, a lack of concern. If I walked up to you today and said, are you an apathetic person? Probably a lot of you would go, no, I'm not apathetic. But are we all apathetic about certain things? Sure. Yeah. I'm in, in charge of the dishes in my home. I'm in charge of the vacuum in my home. The reason I do the dishes and the vacuuming because early on in our marriage, Sandra told me, she said, I love when you vacuum and do the dishes. You are very attractive to me when you do vacuuming and the dishes. 16 years later, there's a dish in my hand and a vacuum in the other I don't know if she's playing the long con on this, but she's got me doing the dishes and vacuuming. But guess what I do sometimes when I walk by the sink of dishes? Eh, I'll do that tomorrow. I can be apathetic about the dishes. You can be probably apathetic about the laundry. Oh, I'll fold it later, right? Apathetic about cleaning out the garage. Apathetic about your homework, right? We can can have apathetic moments in our lives, but what if this older generation was still doing, verse 7, everything they were doing, but apathy ruled their hearts? Because here's the thing, apathy is learned. And if we're not careful, we as an older generation can teach a younger generation how to apathetically worship the Lord. I just wonder out loud this morning, how many churches are filled with people who show up every Sunday morning with apathy in their hearts? That they're here because that's tradition. You're here because that's the way you grew up. Or maybe you're here, and don't get me wrong, I'm I'm glad you're here, by the way. I mean, I I really am. I'm I'm glad you're here. Just me in the room, empty room full of chairs would have been awkward, okay? So I really, I'm, I'm glad you're here. But how many of you are here just out of guilt? I had not been to church in a while. I should go. I'll go and that will take away my guilt from missing a few weeks. See, if apathy rules our heart, then we'll pass that down to a younger generation. And so how do we combat this? How do we help a younger generation worship the Lord passionately? How, as I said this morning, can you live a life in such a way that motivates someone else to follow Jesus? Let me give you a few ways, and then we'll be done. Number one, parents, what you model, your kids will follow. Okay? Let me, let me just say it that way. Parents, what you model, your kids will follow. If you, as a parent, do not put Sunday morning as a priority, your kids won't. You yeah? And, and I, I'm going to say this, and I'll, I'll post an article later on my Facebook page. You can read it that I've read it and been chewing on this week. Hobbies are great. Some hobbies are not evil. But a good hobby can be evil. And if you're communicating to your kids, the ball field on a Sunday morning, this traveling sports team, these other things are more important than this, then you are unintentionally setting your kids up for failure later in life. And so what you model, they'll follow. And if your worship of God is not a priority, then you're passing down to them that worshiping God's just optional. It's not that big of a deal. And so parents, do your kids hear you pray? And not just at mealtime. Dear God, thank you for today and thank you for the grub. Amen. Right? Do do your kids hear you pray? Do your kids know you read the Bible? Or do your kids see the only time you interact with the Bible is on a Sunday morning? Do your kids see you serve? Or are your children only seeing you consume what we do on Sundays? Do your kids see you tithe and giving? What are you modeling for your kids? Are you modeling that Jesus is the most important relationship that you have? So let me come with us, church. Parents, what you model, your kids will follow. Church, the younger generation needs to know what to be rightly passionate about. Okay? The younger generation needs to know what to be passionate about. And church, let me say it this way. We have to teach. And this goes for everybody, okay? So don't, don't sit there and think, oh, I'm off the hook. You know, I don't have children, or my kids are grown and gone, or they're married, and they're not here anymore, I'm off the hook. No, no, no. This is for everybody, okay? Because every one of us is a teacher of our youth and our kids in our church, right? Every one of you, you are teaching the next generation what to be passionate about in church. So what are we going to teach them? Are we going to teach them what to be passionate about when it says, you know, make church all about your programs? Make church all about your comforts? make church all about your desires? Or are we going to teach our church or our kids as a church? You know, we want to love and lead people to a new life with Christ. We want to be a church that engages our city and serves our city. We want to be a church that shares the gospel outside these four walls. We want to be a church that connects with each other in relationships because we want to encourage each other because this Christian life, it's hard and we want to build each other up and we want to be an encouragement to each other. Are we going to teach them that it's, it's okay to be passionate about reading the Bible and prayer and worship and serving others? Or will we just spend all our time and all our energy on ourselves and our comforts and our preferences and our wants and our desires? What will we teach them to be passionate about? Will we be teaching them to be passionate about worshiping God? Men, let me address you on this. And let's talk about singing for a minute. Because this will be a fun conversation. (laughs) And and all of you can clue in on this. But I'm just going to kind of address the men also. When it comes to corporate worship. When we sing. Men. Sing. Okay? Because men. There are times I look out from wherever I'm sitting. I'll just kind of scan the crowd. Men. I will see some of our men doing this. I'll see some of our men doing this. I'll see some of our men doing this. Maybe posting on Facebook. When is this guy going to stop talking about singing? I'm ready to go. If your posture in worship is this. For those listening to the podcast, I have my hands folded. (laughs) Or my hands are in my pocket. Or I'm on my phone. What am I communicating by my body language? It's not that important. It's not, This doesn't really matter. So as a man, and again, you might be thinking, oh, this doesn't apply to me. No, no, as a man, and one of our youth look over to you. And you're like this. And one of our young youth boys look over and he thinks, well, that guy doesn't. I don't have to sing. And, uh, you know, they're they're standing there like this. Why should I sing if the adults aren't singing? Now, I know what some of you are thinking because you're looking at me that way again. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, I don't like the song we're singing. So I don't have to sing. Let me clue you in. I don't love every song we sing. And that's okay. I've come to learn in my Christian life when it comes to corporate worship with everyone that I'm not worshiping you and you're not worshiping me, that we're worshiping God. And there may be a song we sing that I'm like, yeah, well, I don't love it. But I'll look over to my left and someone has their hand up singing. Someone asked me recently, is it OK to put your hand up in worship? Yes, it's OK. Man, if the spirit so moves, you put two up, Right. I'm okay. It's all right. You'll see me at times. My hand will go up in a song because it's moved me. The Spirit's moving in my heart. And we're singing a part of that song. I'm like, thank you, God. Right? Because I guarantee you this. The Astros got skunked yesterday, and that was bad, right? (laughs) Today, Altuve, Bregman, any of them hit a home run, you're going to go, thank you, Lord. (laughs) And both hands in your living room are going to go up we scored. And if I can do this in my living room for the Astros, why in the world can I not do this in the house of God when I'm singing to my Savior who saved my soul? You know? So put a hand up. And and so sometimes I'll look over, man, somebody's got a hand up. They're even getting a little Pentecostal and they're waving it. And I'm like, God's moving. All right. Look in another section and tears are running down the face. I'm like, God's moving. All right. Not my song. But God's moving in their hearts. Thank you, God, for moving. I'm going to keep singing. So when you sing, sing. Whether you like it or not. Some of you are going to go, well, I can't sing because I can't find the note. Can't find the right pitch. Okay, I've heard this before. I don't sing. I can't find the right note. Now listen, my wife will tell you I am tone deaf. I am awful at singing my voice. I can talk out loud, but singing out loud? Nope. That's, I, I, I'm not good singing out loud. But I will sing out loud with every song we sing. You know why? Because I'm not singing to any one of you. I'm singing to God. And so I have no problem finding the tone or the pitch or the note, because I don't know what any of those things are anyway. (laughs) So do not let your level of musical ability stop you from singing. And if God so moves you men to clap along, and you're like me and you have zero rhythm, here's what I do. I look at somebody else who's clapping, and I'm watching them. And I'm trying to follow the rhythm with them. Because left on my own, it's not going to be pretty. But when we worship, it's remembering who we're worshiping. Let's remember how we're worshiping. Because how we do this is communicating to someone else the importance of why we gather. And so, men, I'm going to challenge you in that Sing congregation sing congregation worship congregation let's be passionate about missions about engaging our community with the gospel let's be passionate to say here's how you follow jesus we want to motivate you in that to do the right things and we're not going to just get caught up in our preferences and our programs and the color of the carpets and the walls and the songs but we are here to worship god and we want to show you that Amen? amen all right let's move on to point three Finally, this younger generation, as we kind of close this series, they need our presence and our empathy. They need our presence and they need our empathy. Listen, understand this about this younger generation coming up. They have a lot of things to think through that some of us never had to think through. They are up against challenges now that you and I never faced as a a teenager. I mean, can you imagine growing up with social media Wow, would you have wanted that in ninth grade or eighth grade? Nope. (laughs) Right? But they are interacting, engaging in a new world that's rapidly changing. And what they need from an older generation is presence and for us to just be empathetic. To listen to them. To help them think through the challenges they have. To help them wade through those things. And so I, I want to say some of you do this beautifully, and I'm, I'm very, very proud of you. I thank you for that. Some of you are very engaged with our young people, and thank you. You are, you are giving them your presence. You are giving them your empathy, and I, I greatly thank you with that. I want to invite you, too, just real quickly to pull out this insert in your bulletin because I want to celebrate something else with you and just challenge you one more time. This two weeks ago was filled with positions, we had over twenty nine positions open within our children 's ministry just two weeks ago, uh, and that includes team kid that includes our that 's our Wednesday night program, our preschool ministry on Sunday morning, our upward ministry, uh, and also our special needs ministry twenty nine different openings that we came to you over just two weeks ago and said, hey, we need you to fill in the gaps. We need you to step into these spots uh, because these are areas of growth within our church and we need you with our young people helping them. And so what you've seen over the last two weeks is a lot of these positions Coming off the board and so we're going to celebrate again this morning our peach room We had our three and four year olds Uh, We have that now assistant teacher at 9 a.m. On the fourth sunday field another person assisting in upward basketball. We got another upward head coach in basketball coming up. Uh, We also now with our four and five-year-olds, assistant teacher the second and fourth Sunday taken care of. We got our three and four-year-olds, again, another assistant taken care of two times a month and another upward basketball team parent taken care of. Look at that. That's all that's left. Just five. Isn't that amazing? Just two weeks ago, 29 openings. You guys have stepped up. 24 new volunteers in two weeks coming in in our children's ministry. Can we celebrate that? Amen. And so this morning, here's what's left. Those five openings there. In our preschool area, we've got three. In our special needs area, just those two spots there. I'm going to invite you, take a pen out. Write your name down, your email, your phone. And go on and just check one of those boxes. Listen, you, you don't have to pray about whether to do this. God is saying, yes, serve our young generation. You can pray, God, do you want me right now? This is how you want me to do this, but you don't have to pray on a level of obedience. Just say, God, I'm going to do this. And and listen, new volunteers, because there's 24 of you, uh, stay patient with us. We're getting all that organized. We'll be communicating with you and helping you through the process of getting ready to serve. But, But thank you so, so much for that. Because what happens And watch this and stay with me for a couple more minutes. What happens is when you go into that three and four-year-old room, you're communicating to that three and four-year-old, you're worth my time. You're worth my love today. You're communicating to that young kid, yeah, I'm here for you right now. But understand, when you step into a special needs classroom or you step into upward basketball or you step into Wednesday night team kid or you step into preschool on Sunday morning. What you're helping the Sunday morning families do is you're helping some of those parents worship. You're helping some of them worship because maybe they're not comfortable bringing their two-year-old or their three-year-old in here. And I get asked that sometimes, you know, what age can we bring the kids in? You bring the kids in at any age, in my opinion. I'm okay with kids hearing about Jesus. Are you? Right. I'm okay. I don't think kids are a distraction to worship. I'm totally okay with kids being in here. You know why? Because kids are no more distracting in a worship service than some of you digging for a mint in the bottom of your purse. (laughs) Do you understand? Have you ever sat by that person in worship? It's like, are you carrying the Grand Canyon in that thing? (laughs) And man, you've been digging for a solid five minutes. Now you found the mint and you got to unravel the mint. And that's a whole nother thing. So man, bring the kids in here. I'm okay with that. I taught high school history for 10 years. There's nothing I can't talk through. I'll just put it to you that way. All right. But you might have a family who's not comfortable bringing their three-year-old in here. You step in and serve that family by serving those kids. What if that mom didn't know Jesus? What if that dad didn't know Jesus? Now they came to hear about Jesus. You know, what we hear in our special needs ministry from time to time, and we've got two families that are coming right now, and here's part of their story. They're involved in some other churches that weren't able to serve them. They said, hey, we, we found out what you guys are doing about Heights. And they said, here's one of the reasons we love Heights, because we all can come as a family. So when we were going to this other church uh, you know, my husband would have to stay home with our child with disability and the rest of us could come. And the next week I'd stay home and he would go. But now at Heights, we all can come. Thank you. You see what you're doing? When you serve just those kids on Sunday morning, you're not just serving the kids in those areas, you're serving a family. You're helping out each one of them. And So thank you for your presence. Go on and let's, let's get this done this morning and check those boxes off. And thank you so much For your presence in their lives. You know, as we close, I want to leave you with just one more thought. This past week I asked on Facebook what traditions that you grew up with as a kid that you no longer do right now. What were some traditions you did as a kid that your parents taught you that that now you're not teaching to your, your kids? For whatever reason, you're just not doing them. And so here's what some of you responded to me on Facebook. You said after Sunday lunch, we'd all pile in a car and go for a drive out in the country. How many of you used to do that? Sunday afternoon drives, right? Amen. Yeah. Gas prices today were like, nope. (laughs) Right? One person said as as a kid, we would order pizza on the night we would decorate our Christmas tree. During the summer, we'd uh, sometimes swim until it got dark. And then we'd have breakfast for dinner with eggs, bacon, and pancakes. Or my mom would make us a hot breakfast every morning sending, before sending us off to school with eggs, oatmeal, cream of wheat. We never had cold cereal ever. Yeah, Maybe you, you're already just thinking of some traditions you did as a kid that you, for whatever reason, didn't pass down. But let me say, all those traditions that I just read, they have no eternal consequences uh, attached to them. None. Those traditions maybe you haven't passed down to your kids, whether it's a Christmas morning or an Easter or birthday or or something as fun as swimming. Guess what? They have no eternal consequences attached to them. But the Bible is very clear. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And those that are in heaven are people who here on this earth violated God's commands. People in heaven are those who sinned against God. People who are in heaven or those who are on this earth were not perfect, who were sinners just like me. The only reason they're in heaven is because they came to know a man by the name of Jesus Christ, who by faith they trusted in the work of Christ to take away their sin, to forgive them of their sin, and give them eternal life with God. Those are who, that's who's in heaven. Now, in hell, hell is full of people who here on this earth violated God's commands. Here on this earth... Sinned against God. Here on this earth, did not obey God. But the reason they're in hell is because they came to Jesus and said, no. I'll figure this out on my own. I'll try to make my own way to God. I'll try to be good enough. I don't need you, Jesus. And so this morning, parents, adults, you can't pass down what you don't have. And if you don't have Christ Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life right now, you can't pass that on to your children. So today, parents, adults, you come to know Christ right now as your Savior. Say yes to Jesus. I need you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sin. I need you, Jesus, to give me eternal life and to take me to heaven one day with you. But right now, I want to give you my life, Jesus, to follow you and for you to take away my sin. You do that. And while some are praying about that, I'm going to encourage the rest of you, be praying for this next generation. Be praying for them today. Put them down in your prayer list. Maybe it's your kid, your grandkids. You want to start intentionally praying for them over the next week or two. Be present in their life. Let's be passionate about the things we need to be passionate about as a church. Let's, let's parents model what it means to follow Jesus, because they'll follow what we model. And finally, you live a life today. That's going to motivate someone else to follow Christ. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. On Sunday mornings, we have live groups for all ages at 9 a.m., followed by worship service at 10.30 a.m. For more information about how to support the ministry of Heights Baptist Church, go to heightschurch.org.